بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين In the name of God the most compassionate the most merciful We said that according to the Quran Taqwa or piety is the only thing by which we can achieve happiness. Anything lower than taqwa would not be sufficient. Of course, taqwa has different ranks by itself, but at least you have to have minimum taqwa, minimum piety to be able to achieve happiness. And then to define what is taqwa based on the Quran itself, we mentioned the verses from the beginning of Surat Baqarah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says who are the pious when he says hudan lil muttaqin he says alladheena yu'minuna bil ghaib wa yuqeemuna as-salaah wa mimma razaqnaahum yunfiqoon and he continues so we reflected on those verses and then we said according to that passage one of the factors that lead to having piety or taqwa is iman, is faith. Because Allah says, Hudan lil muttaqeen alladheena yu'minuna bil ghaib. Not only once, even after a few sentences, again he says, alladheena yu'minuna bima unzila ilayka wa ma unzila min qablik. So faith, iman is very important part of taqwa. And for this reason, we wanted to understand the concept of iman. So yesterday I gave a theological uh, analysis of iman, but then I focused on the Quranic verses. And we chose some verses which are uh, trying to define who are mu'mineen because there are many verses about iman we only chose some of them today we want to reflect on the verses from surat mu'minun chapter al-mu'minun which is chapter 23 and the whole chapter is called al-mu'minun because of these verses the faithful the believers so this chapter <coughs> starts with 11 verses about Mu'minun, the faithful people. And before saying anything about the definition or the practices of the faithful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim qad mu'minun. So first he tells about their destiny, about their end. That the faithful have achieved salvation, they are successful, they are happy, they are prosperous. Qad aflaha. In Arabic, if you say qad aflaha, it means that this is something which has happened. Qad aflaha. And it's with emphasis. If I say Ja'a Zainab or Ja'a Ali, Ja'a Fatima, it means that he or she has come. But if I say Qad Ja'a, of course for ladies we say Ja'at, for men we say Ja'a. If I say Qad means definitely. So it shows emphasis. And 
the salvation, the happiness for mu'minin is so sure, so uh, decisive that Allah uses past tense. Instead of saying that they will become successful, he says it has already happened. They are already prosperous and happy. Qad the pious people are the faithful people are the people who have achieved happiness. What is falah? Falah is a very important Quranic term. You have it in many places in the Quran. And I wish maybe inshallah another year we talk about this concept of falah. Falah in Arabic originally means to open. In Arabic for the farmers, they use fallah. Fallah is a farmer. Why? Because he opens the ground and puts the seed inside the soil. It's called fallah. And for human happiness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the term falah. What does it mean? Perhaps it means that we are like a seed. If we are put in the right soil, right ground, and then our faith, which is like that soil, lets us to grow, then we will have the branches and we will have the flowers and fruits which are the virtues of faith so we become happy we will have falah if we become like a tree which bears fruits but if we die inside the soil or if we are not even put in this fertile soil so we are destroyed we would have a miserly life. So our example is like example of a flower or a fruit tree. In any case, falah refers to happiness in this world and the hereafter. There is a beautiful idea mentioned by Raghib Esfahani in his Mufradat. You remember we mentioned about wisdom from Raghib. He says, Falah refers to worldly happiness and happiness in the hereafter. Worldly happiness needs three things. One is to be able to continue your life. If you die soon, you cannot continue your life. This is not happy life. If someone quickly dies, so his life is finished. So the quantity of life is important. So one part of Fallah in this world is to be able to survive and continue life. Second is to have honor and dignity. If you continue your life but without honor and dignity, this is not happy life. Another aspect of happiness is to be able to afford to buy, to uh, obtain what you need so poverty also makes life you know miserable in 
uh, Islam, we are very much against poverty. Of course, poverty has different meanings. Sometimes we mean by poverty that you want to have simple life. This is not bad. You can be the richest person, but have simple life. This is your choice. It's good to have simple life, not luxurious life. But poverty in the sense that you cannot generate money, you cannot you know, make enough income for yourself and your family, this is bad. And one of the responsibilities of Muslim community and Muslim government is to finish poverty. And there are many hadiths about this. So, one aspect of happiness in this life is to have no poverty. So, to be able to continue life, to be able to have honor and dignity in your life, and to be able to have enough so that you can spend on yourself, your family and community, these are different elements that Mufradat Raghab mentions about happy life. And interestingly, we don't have time, unfortunately. All these can be understood from the Quran, directly or indirectly. For example, I give you just one idea. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Law anna ahla al-qura amanu wa taqaw lafatahna alayhim barakatin min as-sama'i wal-arth. If the people of the towns had faith and piety, we would have opened all our blessings from the earth and from the sky to come to them. If people of the world were all pious, we didn't have any poverty. We didn't have any shortage. Allah has created this world in the way that it has enough to offer not only to six billion people, even if we were more, we had enough. But the problem is misuse, mismanagement, corruption, lack of piety which stops blessings to come. So, one aspect of happiness is the worldly happiness, but also happiness in the hereafter, and that is to have eternal life. When you die, you would have eternal life. Not only you are not ceasing to exist, you will continue forever. And you would have richness without any poverty. Inshallah, when you go to heaven, you will never go out of money or out of you know, credit. You will always be, inshallah, in a good condition. And your honor, your honor would be all the time protected. No one would damage your honor or would be able to humiliate you. And also, you would have knowledge of everything that you need without any confusion, without any ambiguity. So there are three elements that you need in your worldly happiness. There are four elements yet that you need in eternal happiness. And all of them can be achieved by Iman, by piety and faith. So, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ The people who have faith, they are able to achieve whatever they need for their happiness and prosperity. Who are the mu'minun? Now this is the question. Who is the mu'min? Can we look at the people and just by the way they look, we say these are mu'min? Can we just look at their names and say, oh, his name is a name which is 
showing that he's mu'min. No, we cannot understand this by looking at the people or looking at their name or even looking at their family. We have to look deep into their heart, which is very difficult. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us some indicators. First, Alladheena hum fi salatihim khashi'oon the people who are very humble in their prayer. Not only they say their prayer. If you remember in the previous verses, we had those who establish prayer. Not just to say prayer is not enough. Indeed, sometimes Allah in the Quran warns those who say prayer. Do you remember the verse that Allah warns those who say prayer? So just to pray is not enough. Because Allah says, Those who are negligent when they say the prayer. So either to establish the prayer which we had before or they are very humble. They have concentration when they pray. It's not just they say few words or they bend and go for sajda. Their heart is soft and humbled because they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you stand in front of a very important personality, you become very humble. If you stand in front of your marja or in front of you know, a president or king, whatever, depending on who are important for you. So you become very soft, very humble. You are standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you must be khashi'. In Arabic, we have two words. One is khudu'. One is khushu'. Khudu'. Normally is used for physical humbleness. Khushu is the humbleness of the heart, which also shows itself in body. I may just pretend that I am humble. So it is khuzu. Okay? But in my heart, I may be very arrogant. But khushu definitely is in the heart as well. If a person in his heart feels that he is standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the great there is no choice other than feeling humble once the Prophet wasallam, saw a person was praying and at the same time playing with his beard during his prayer he was playing the Prophet said Amma innahu law khasha'a qalbuhu la khasha'at jawarihuhu if his heart was humble, definitely his hands and organs were also humble. So the reason he's playing with his hand and with his beard, it means that his heart is not humble, is not thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Majma'ul Bayan by the late Tabarsi, which is a Shia tafsir, and also in Tafsir al-Kabir by Fakhr razi which is a Sunni tafsir, both have mentioned that 
before this verse, these verses were revealed, these verses were revealed in Mecca. Before they were revealed, the Prophet sometime during prayer used to look at a sky. After these verses were revealed, the Prophet was always looking down during prayer as a kind of khushur, as a kind of humbleness. So, the very first thing is emphasis on saying your prayer with attention and humility. Second, the faithful are the people that do not get involved in useless words or useless actions or even useless thoughts. Laghv is something which has no benefit, something which doesn't bring any results. This is called laghv. Maybe it is not haram, but it is just useless. A faithful is a person who has purpose in everything. If he says something or does something, he has purpose. Unfortunately, nowadays, one of the common problems is that we just kill the time. We try to make ourselves, just keep ourselves busy with the things which are useless. Sometimes we just, you know, um, for example, you know, try to fill in these, you know, puzzles and quizzes, you know, which may not increase our knowledge. I'm not against that, but there must be a purpose. Sometimes we just watch something on TV or games or this kind of thing just to kill the time and make ourselves busy. But, you know, imagine if you are, God forbids, if you are, for example, told that you are going to die in 24 hours. How important it becomes for you every second? Who has guaranteed that you are going to live more than 24 hours? Even you don't know whether you are going to live 24 hours or not. But we are just killing our time. We want to finish. One of the Arab poets says that people normally want to have time passing more quickly. We want to finish summer, then we finish you know, fall, finish winter. We always want to go faster. If, for example, I have children, I say, I want my children to go to a school. I want this to happen very quickly. When they go to a school, I want them to go to high school, when, then to university. I want them to get married. I want to see my grandchildren. Always we want time pass quickly. But indeed, this means that you are reaching your end. Why you are happy? Why you want this to, you know, pass quickly? Even sometimes, you know, especially when you are young, you sometimes because not patient, you say, I wish I just opened up my eyes and 20 years has passed. Now I have my job, I have my family, but this is not good. Time is the most valuable thing that we have. So a mu'min does not spend his time in vain, useless things. 
let alone haram. Of course, mu'min doesn't do haram. But even useless things are not to be said. It is said that Luqman once saw Prophet Dawood. You remember I said in the lectures on wisdom that Luqman and Dawood lived together the same age, same time. Luqman saw that Dawood is making something with metal. Because you know Dawood was given ability by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make iron soft and make you know like shelter or whatever. So Luqman didn't know what he's doing because it was not common. So he wanted to ask Dawood, but he didn't ask. When Dawood finished, he said, What a good kind of you know shelter or uh, dress is this to protect during the war. Then Luqman realized that this was the purpose of making this. So he said, it was good that I didn't ask because later I knew myself. So there are many things that you don't need to struggle to realize. When the time comes, you realize, let alone the things which are really useless. So a mu'min is the one who doesn't pay attention to the things which are useless. And according to the Quran, also sinful music is also lack of and lahv. If you reflect on the verses in the beginning of Surah Luqman, you find this that Muslim commentators have mentioned many hadith that sinful music is also one example of lahv. Because it doesn't, you know, make you, you know, richer. It doesn't give you anything. It doesn't increase your knowledge or whatever. And then, Those who give alms. Interestingly, these verses were revealed in Mecca. And Zakah in the sense that we use, which applies to certain items, was legislated in Medina. So this zakat is not the zakat in the narrower sense which we have in fiqh. It means general charity, not zakat as something in contrast to homes. It means general charity, giving charity. Mu'mineen are the people that say their prayer, they don't pay attention to the things which are useless and without benefit and they give alms, they give charity. Yesterday I talked about this charity and prayer being together like two wings. So it's very important to give charity. They are the people who safeguard their chastity. They don't have relation except with their uh, spouse, legitimate spouse. Those who have relation with their husband or wife, they are not blamed. In Islam, we don't have anything against marriage. In some religions, marriage is considered as a satanic, as an evil action. And they say there is no choice, so you have to get married. <coughs> But if you can survive without marriage, it's okay. It's better. 
But in Islam, marriage is recommended. For some people, it may become wajib if they cannot safeguard their chastity without marriage. So marriage is not a problem. Allah says they are not blamed because they have relation with their husband or wife. But if someone goes beyond that and wants to have relation with someone other than husband or other than wife, these are the transgressors. These are the people who have gone beyond the limit. These will be blamed. You cannot say, this is my colleague at the work, this is my classmate, this is my friend, this is my cousin. No. Anything other than the marriage setting, other than marriage framework, would not be accepted. And this is very important, and inshallah I will have more discussion about this because this is something which is very much emphasized on in our hadith. A faithful is the one who is very much observing his promises. He keeps his promises under all conditions. And if he's entrusted with something, he would deliver the trust. Even if the killer of Imam Hussein, Imam Zain al-Abidin says, the killer of Hussein, Lives with me as trust his sword, I will give him back. So you cannot say, this person is a bad person, he has left with me something as a trust, I don't give him back. When the Prophet ﷺ wanted to migrate to Medina, he had some of the trust of pagans, of people of Mecca. Because they knew he's honest. They were saying that this man is, a, you know, for example, a magician, this man is mad, they didn't believe in him, they wanted to kill him, but at the same time they knew that he's honest. Because all his life he never told any lies, he never betrayed anyone, he never broke his promise. And it's, you know, strange, how can you have so much trust in someone and then you fight him and you want to kill him? Anyway. When the Prophet wanted to migrate, he had some of the trust of the people of Mecca with him. So he didn't say, oh, these people are not important. They are killing us. So let's forget that. No. He left them with Imam Ali salam, and said, before you join us, you must give them back all the trust. Because a mu'min can never betray. When people entrust you with something, you have to keep it. Sometimes they may entrust you with some goods. Sometimes maybe they tell you a secret. Someone comes to you and said, I have this problem. I want to be only with you, confidential. You cannot say this to other people. This is a trust. You have to keep it. Unfortunately, you know, shaitan comes and says, you know, when it, someone tells you a secret, shaitan says, you know, you have to sh say this to other people. Sometimes you feel, you know, you are exploding. You want to say this to someone because people, you know, should know that you know this. But a moment must keep this confidential because this is a trust. 
and also about the covenant when they make a covenant when they promise make a treaty they must observe it so allah says walladhinahum la'amanatihim wa ahdihim ra'un those who are very concerned those who observe their trust and their promises and inshallah we'll talk about it a lot here just i mentioned two verses and we will later mention many hadiths about this one is verse 40 of surah baqarah chapter 2 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when there is a covenant between me and you when you are supposed to do something keep your promise and if you do this I also promise that I will look after you. I will reward you. Another verse is verse 91 of Surah Nahl, chapter B. When you make a promise, when you make a covenant, keep it and be loyal to that. So no matter whether this covenant is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or between you and people, still... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question you about that. If I make a promise to you, Allah will ask me about this. Did you keep your promise? Even with respect to the children, if you have a young boy or you know, son or daughter, you promise you should keep it. Don't say it's a child and it's not going to take me to the court. You have to keep it because Allah is going to take you to the court. If you promise, you must keep it. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ عَلَى صَلَوَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ Those who safeguard their prayers. See how important Salat is. That twice Allah is talking about Salat. In a short passage, when he is talking about Mu'mineen, he started with Salat and end with salat this shows the exceptional position of salat in our life that was about the significance of humbleness when you pray is about the importance of looking after your salat its time its place all the conditions, proper wuzu, proper dress, proper etiquettes of prayer, if possible to do it in jama'ah, everything. So you have to safeguard your salat from any problem, anything internal or external. If you have all these qualities, so you are mu'min and you have prosperity, you have happiness. And Allah says, These are the people who will inherit what? They will inherit paradise. Firdaus means paradise. And they will be there forever. Here there are some discussions why they are called 
as those who inherit the paradise. What does it mean to inherit? Earth, you know earth, yeah? Like heritage, inheritance. Why Allah says they are to inherit the paradise? Some ulama have said the reason this is called as kind of inheritance is because no matter how much you work for hereafter, for heaven, still it is too short to say that this is the result of what I have done. It's a gift. You know, when you inherit something, it's a gift. It's not the, your own income or something that you have made efforts. It's a gift. And therefore, some ulama, not all, say you have to pay homes for it. Because you haven't worked for it. Not everyone. So it's something unexpected. Something that you, will, you are given without you making efforts. For example, you had an uncle or grandfather or parent who have died and left this for you. Maybe you didn't do anything. So it's an unexpected gift. So heaven for the faithful people is like an unexpected gift. Why? Because they don't deserve it. No matter how much they have done, they don't deserve it. It's like what? For example, you work and based on your work and the you know efforts that you have made you deserve 100 pounds if someone gives you 1000 pounds or 10000 pounds so this is a gift you know that this is not the salary because what you did was just worth 100 pounds he has given you 10000 pounds this is a gift so heaven for the pious people for the faithful people is a gift they have done something, but it's not enough. And in the Quran, we have two different expressions for heaven and hell. This is very beautiful. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about hell, He says, For those who are misguided, hell becomes unveiled what does it mean that it means they are already in hell just Allah makes it clear for them that they are in hell okay but when it comes to muttaqin Allah says for the pious heaven will be brought near so the pious are not in heaven and they cannot reach it by their own feet. Allah brings heaven close to them because Allah wants them to be in heaven. So our actions are not enough, but Allah brings heaven close to us. But to go to hell, our actions are enough. They are more than enough. To go to hell, you don't need anyone to push you. You go yourself up to the middle of the hell without anyone helping you. But for heaven, Allah knows that we are not able to reach heaven. So Allah says, okay, you come part of it. I will bring it closer to you. Like, for example, you want to see your friend. He lives in another part of the world. For example, he lives in the U.S. 
you are in London. He says, I come to London Heathrow, you come there, we meet at the airport. How much journey you make just from your house to London Heathrow? He comes all, comes all the way from US to the airport so that you can meet. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you come one step toward me, I will come tens of steps toward you. You walk, I run. Okay, so this is one reason. Another reason which has been mentioned about why it is used uh, in the sense of to inherit is that every person has a position. There is a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ in which he says, Every one of you has two houses, two places. There is a place for you in heaven and a place for you in hell. Okay? So, arrangements are made so that you would not be left without house. Whether you go to hell or heaven, there will be a house for you. Okay. If God forbid someone dies and goes to hell, what happens to the house that he had in heaven reserved? The people of heaven would inherit that. So their space would be <laughs> maybe more. So, the reason that it has been called inherit is because they inherit heaven more from the people who have not ended up in being in heaven. Of course, they will not feel happy that now they have, you know, this. But this is what happens. So heaven would not be left empty. It's just the misfortune of those who don't go to heaven. And indeed, this is a quality of hell and heaven that they can accommodate all human beings. If all human beings want to go to heaven, there is no shortage. There is a space for them. Allah would never say, sorry, it's full and you know, we don't have any space for you. Everyone can go to heaven at the same time if all people want to go to hell hell would be expanded to include everyone Allah says the day we say to hell are you filled is it enough say says is there any more if you want to send anyone more I am ready so, it doesn't say, I am not filled. It says, is there anyone more? And therefore, ulama say that hell has this capacity of being expanded. So, it is filled, but can be always expanded to include more. So, you have to be very careful. You have your position in heaven, and God forbids a position in hell. Which one you want to choose? For sure, we all want to choose the position in heaven, but we have to work for it. So, 
الَّذِينَ يَرْثُونَ الْفِرْدَوْسِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ They will have this and they will be there forever. I have my own also personal view. I share it with you. This is the third view, the third reason. So I mentioned so far two reasons why it is called they inherit. My third view is, sorry, my view, which is the third view, is that perhaps the reason it is called inherit is this is not something that they create. It is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when they go there, they inherit. It means that they take the full control. So they are not there as tenant. They will be as owners. I think perhaps this is the reason why it is called Yarathun. So Allah says, okay, this is for you. So you own it. When you own something, then you have peace of mind. That I'm not going to lose this. I'm not going to be separated this, from this. So this is the concept of ownership, which I think is important. Inshallah, in the next session, we will mention signs of Iman according to Hadith. So, so far, we mentioned the definition and the characteristics of the faithful according to the Quran. Tomorrow, we will mention signs of faithful according to Hadith. And we will have different categories of signs. There are signs which refer to the external appearance of Iman, like the famous hadith which says there are five signs for mu'mineen. One is that they say 51 rak'ah prayer, they do ziyarat of arba'een, they put their forehead on the soil, and they have their ring in the right hand. So these are the signs that we will mention, but also there are signs which are not external, signs which are internal, and these are, I think, more important. So we will have different classes of signs to discuss in the coming sessions, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala include us among the faithful forever, and may Allah, inshallah, enable us to be with Muhammad and Ali Muhammad in dunya and akhirah. Wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Have you got any question?